0: away from McCulloch.
1: Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. Our show is hosted and produced by a bunch of ex riders for real Sports, back when they actually covered real sports. Much like them, we are by the fans and for the fans. And we like to have some fun while we try to delve into a bit of analysis as well. Before the season starts in 2023, we've assembled a craft team to run our eye over each squad and predict how their season will go for them. And to join me to talk about the Parramatta Eels, who finished fourth at the end of the regular season and made their way into the grand final beating my Cowboys and Kieran's Cowboys in the preliminary final the Parramatta Eels. I'm joined by this dog next door that keeps barking and Daniel Friend. Friendy how are you going?
0: G'day Bo. Yeah ready to go mate. Hopefully um, someone puts the dog away and we can get on with it without too much hassle. Speaking of dogs is Joey being a good boy? Is he hanging out? He's a good boy. I took him for a walk just before. He's now laying on the ground. Not the first Joey that I've heard of
1: to lay around on the ground, actually, um, (laughs) come to think of it. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the Parramatta Eels, who, as we said, they they made it all the way to the grand final last year. We're going to talk about their recruitment, their coach, different parts of their side, and just some pointed questions about the team as well. The recruitment, they've been a little bit busy considering that they're a team that is pretty high up in the ladder. They've brought in guys like Josh Hodgson to replace Reed Marnie. They've brought in Jermaine Hopgood from the Panthers, very highly rated middle and edge forward. Jack Murchie's also joined the club. Dejan Asi will add some depth to their halves and backs. And Matt Durie is also there. They've lost Oregon Kafusi, as I said, Reid Marnie, Murata Niakore, uh, Tom Opicic, Hayes Ray Raystone, and Isaiah Papali'i. So their outs probably outweigh their ins. But, friendy, considering their their squad balance, how do you feel about their recruitment strategy? Do you feel like they're, you know, holding their own,
0: they've improved or or maybe gone backwards? I don't think they've improved. I'll I'll, I'll sort of go with don't rate just. And there are some good players in there like Josh Hodgson and, and Jermaine Hopgood, but... I do think the salary cap has come to bite them and that's with Dylan Brown getting big upgrade, Moses on big money, Gutherson on big money and then the two props, I think they're taking up a good chunk as well for uh, two middles. So yeah, I I think their recruitment, they've got what they could afford and there's some okay players there but I think they've they've lost a bit of quality depth. So yeah, I'm going to go with no rate. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I
1: feel like they're, they are in a weaker position than they were last year. Yeah. Uh, ever so slightly. Like, Reid Money to Josh Hodgson is kind of like, uh, that's probably almost a wash, I think. Uh, but Reed's probably got more of a future. Um, and Isaiah Papali, he feels like a loss to me. I'm not sure they've really replaced him. But uh, I do rate Jermaine Hopgood more about him very soon. I- I'm a bit worried about, as you say, that salary cap situation. Mitchell Moses very recently... Has resigned with the club, or or has said that he will at least. I'm not sure if that's actually been officially announced yet, but he will have commanded over a million dollars, and I feel like that's partly because the Tigers have bumped up that price a fair bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm, I'm kind of like not right as well. But what did you, what did you make of all that Mitch Moses stuff? Would you have forked out over a million for him?
0: Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? I mean, we've spoken before about the, the lack of quality halfbacks in the competition, and Moses is certainly a quality halfback. So he hasn't won a premiership yet, but they've, they've been close, obviously, in the grand final last year, and mm. going's good. He's, he's a pretty fantastic player. Uh, I guess that's what you've got to spend on on the quality halfbacks or spine players. So, yeah, I mean, what was their other option? That That's the thing. Who, who else were they going to get? So I guess they kind of had to pay Mitch, didn't they?
1: They probably could have done a, a player swap with the Tigers. Got Luke Brooks, pretty <laughs> high-quality halfback, would you reckon? Yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll keep Moses on bigger money. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably a good call. Uh, a call that might have been made in some part by Brad Arthur, who was under the pump. He's been under the pump for a few seasons now because the Parramatta Eels have had a, a really good roster but haven't been able to take that next step. And then all of a sudden, they sort of burst into some form, made the top four, made the grand final, and it seemed like the Hounds are off Brad Arthur for a little bit. Uh, how do you feel about Brad Arthur's position?
0: Is he uh, is he is he the right coach for the Eels moving forward? I think he is uh, sort of similar to Moses. Like, who else are you going to get? I mean, Shane Flanagan, he seems the next guy up doesn't he for the next NRL team that wants a coach but Mm. he's pretty similar to Brad Arthur from what you see in the media and he's he's a bit of that hard taskmaster type so whether that would change that dramatically I I don't know whether it'd be worth paying out a coach just to almost get the same thing so yeah no I'd stick with Arthur as Parramatta and I think he um the players seem to like him so that's half the battle really isn't it Uh, yeah I tend to agree with that. And also, well, I was just
1: thinking of thinking of swaps. Like, maybe they could do a, a coach swap with, like, Fox Sports and then we'd find out if Brad Arthur can pronounce Nelson as Sophie Solomona or not. <laughs> that would be yeah. <laughs> an interesting experiment. I'm kind of with you. I think he, he seems to present really solidly. It's just a matter of can he... Like at this point, the Eels are basically just asking for a premiership now, aren't they? It's been quite a while for them, nineteen eighty-six. They're the last team to do a three-peat that I can remember, eighty-one, eighty-two, yep. eighty-three. I think that's correct, isn't it? Yep. And yep. that could be on the cards this year, by the way, with the Panthers, but more on that next episode. Is is Arthur the guy that takes them to a premiership? I'm not so sure. So it just becomes a matter of what is the club's priority at that point. Do they want a real solid citizen or Do they want the elite coach? And as you say, where are
0: they getting the elite coach from? Yeah, that's the issue, isn't it? So I think last year was Parramatta's big chance. I'm not as hot on them this year, uh, just with that turnover of their squad. So maybe that was Brad Arthur's last chance. I'm not too sure. It's going to take a little bit to sort of turn this salary cap situation they're in around. And while they do have good players, uh, yeah, I'm not sure they have the premiership roster that they might have had last year. Well, let's talk about those players. So we'll start with the forward pack. As
1: you mentioned earlier, a fair bit of cash has been splashed into that region, including co-captain Junior Paolo. They've also got uh, Rick and Campbell Gillard, of course. Uh, Ryan Madison, suspension legend. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sean Lane had a breakout 2022. That's uh, one of Miles Steadman's good takes. He, He called that one way before he was good. Jermaine Hopgood. I think that's a really, really key in for the Parramatta Eels. I think he's going to have a really good year and might might work out what they're doing with that 13 position because Madison's had some glimpses there, but hasn't been as consistently good as he probably could be. So, Or Nathan Brown for that matter.
0: So I think Jermaine Hopgood's in for a big year, but what do you make of the forward pack? Do you rate it? Uh, controversially, I'm going to go don't rate only because, uh, their depth, their depth is lacking. So I'm looking here now at their predicted team that they'll name tomorrow Mm. and it's looking like with Sean Lane out, Isaiah Papali'i at the Tigers, their back rowers are going to be Jack Murchie and Matt Dury. So, uh, unfortunately I I don't think either of them are starting back rowers in the NRL for mine, Mm. maybe one of them on the bench, but yeah. And then you're looking at guys like their bench of, or the bench forwards of uh, Makotoa, Momosia and Cartwright. And I mean, I don't really think that's scaring much of the competition either, is it? So yeah, as much as I love their two prop forwards and Hopgood looks to be a good signing, yeah, the rest of it, I'm not a fan.
1: I I love that take. I I agree with that take. But once you add Lane and Madison in, I think you would agree that's a a first grade standard, quite a good first grade standard. Um, forward pack, but you're right, that depth. And when origin comes for guys like Paolo, Campbell-Gillard, maybe Hopgood, maybe Madison, maybe Lane, uh, and or injuries, of course, yeah, they are going to be tested. And and if you're going to try and replicate your efforts from the top four last year, you need that engine room. So I'm a bit concerned.
0: Yep, yeah, I totally agree, but
1: All right, let's talk about the spine now. As we mentioned, the only real change there is that Marnie is out, Hodgson is in, Hodgson's returning from... A pretty significant leg injury. Uh, I think it was ACL, I believe. Uh, and also he's over 30, so that's going to take some time. They still have Gutho, they still have uh, Dylan Brown, and they still have
0: Mitchell Moses. Pretty good spine, really. Yeah, I, I rate their spine, Bo. So obviously the two halves I- I've spoken about before, Mitchell Moses, I think he's a quality halfback, probably in the top top few in the competition in that position and Dylan Brown had a fantastic year last year he's still young and I really rate him highly Gutherson's all energy and effort so you can't fault that and Josh Hodgson's had some fantastic years in the NRL so I guess we'll see how he goes at a new club the thing that'll be interesting for
1: me and by the way I've got to give you some credit because you called it at the start of last year you were like watch out for Dylan Brown they're moving him back to the left it's on, yeah. and you were dead right. He had a great year, probably his best, uh, and Mitchell Moses looked pretty good on the right too. I think that's a sensible thing, but when it yeah. comes to Hodgson, what concerns me is that when we've seen him at his best, he's been probably like a central playmaker almost for the Raiders when they had solid citizens like Aiden Caesar at halfback or or uh, George Williams and, of course, uh, Jack Whiten, who's yeah. maybe not the most natural 5'8", in the world, you know, Josh Hodgson was a very key attacking piece of that Canberra Raiders team when he was at his best. I don't know if the Eels need that that player, that exact type. So I'm I'm curious mm. about how he slots in.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know if they're going to change their um, their playing style or, or how they're going to work that because, as you said, Hodgson at his best is normally running the show through the middle of the field and plenty of dummying, plenty of I don't know crafty work out of dummy half. So. I'm not too sure that Moses or Brown want or need that because basically Marnie's job was to zing a long ball and the two halves would sort of get outside their back rower um, from there and that they'd play sort of very wide off the ruck and otherwise Marnie might run every now and again, but there's certainly no sort of playing with the ball and uh, trying to attract the markers or anything like that, which is all Hodgson's game. So it's completely different. Uh, I guess we'll, yeah, we'll see how they go on Thursday night.
1: I think it's a, I think it's a very significant change, and it might cause a bit of clunkiness at the start of the season, especially that, yeah, that off-the-ground passing from Marnie compared to the pick-up-and-play-with-it style of Hodgson. Very curious. The backs is an interesting one. I, You know, Wanga Blake, Mike Acevo, they have some class out there. Pennicini, I thought, had a really good year last year. Seems like a very promising
0: player. What do you make of the back line? It's decent. I'm sort of going to sit on the fence on this one because uh, I do like some of the players there and it has the potential to be a, a red hot back line really. I am just looking at their predicted team and they've got Wanga Blake back in the centres with Zach on, on the wing, uh, mm. which is surprising to me. I would definitely leave Wanga Blake on the wing. I thought he was really good there. I think he's found his position on the wing mm. um, last year and then, yeah, Penasini... Uh good young player. He's like a little Michael Jennings, really. Uh, Mike Sevo. We know how damaging he can be, particularly at their home ground. Uh, I think it's it's pretty solid, and it's yeah, it's got the potential to be even better than that. So I guess we'll find out throughout the year. But yeah, I'm just going to sit on the fence with that one.
1: Zacin that is an interesting one, and it, the the thing that's most interesting about Blake moving for me is that he would be a right winger or a left centre. Mm. Like, because you're not going to move Pensini probably, and you're not going to move Marcus Sivo on the left. Yep. So that's just, a, it's a huge change for Wanga. And Zachini, he had a really good preseason for the Eels, apparently. Apparently he's been knocking the training doors off the hinges and then had a couple of good trials. So he, he's probably earned a crack, but do you move Blake to accommodate him? I'm not so sure. So, but like, who's their left centre? They've they've left go of Kore, so they've also and Opačić, so they've lost that versatility mm. out there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about the the Eels squad. And I guess that leads me to my next question: is like, has the window slammed shut? I, 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 I assume with that roster, they'll be a good team, but
0: can you realistically see them challenging for a grand final again? Yeah, not at all. That's what I was, yeah, sort of alluding to before. I, I just don't think they can with this roster. It's really top-heavy and the the big players that they're paying. And then what happens there is the, the depth suffers. So you need a good all-round squad to win a premiership. Uh, like we said, the origin time and, um, the, yeah, Josh Hodgson's a bit older. I mean, Moses is getting up to close to 30 now as well. Uh, Gutherson's getting on a bit as well. That's not to say that they'll get injured or anything, but, yeah, I just oh, I can't see it happening for the Ills this year. I think last year was their year, and it's so interesting because like and like the Panthers are the gold standard, right? But
1: let's let's have a think about you know last year of Caroia somehow gets injured or suspended, Mitch Kenny comes in, Sonny Luke on the bench, they plug the gap probably okay. Uh, Nathan Cleary gets injured, uh, Sean O'Sullivan slots in, they still win games of football, and they they literally did that with a, with his suspension. Uh, Luai, same thing. You just slot O'Sullivan in there. Maybe Jamin Salman or something like that. Weak got a dog that he is. <laughs> you know, Dylan Edwards, he he's out for a bit. I, I don't know. You slot feeling Crichton back there. He does an okay job. Uh, it's they have their bases covered. And, and Kieran talked about this last episode about the Cowboys, you know, Drinkwater gets injured. Okay. Val Holmes jumps in. Townsend goes down. Okay. Dearden plays halfback. Drinkwater's six. They find a fullback. You know, they, they work it out. They've got some versatility. I'm not sure the Eels have that. If Moses goes down, they've got Jacob Arthur. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Hodgson goes down, they've got Mitch Rain. That's, that's okay. He's solid, I guess. He'll do a job. But uh, Gutho goes down. I'm not so sure they've got a fullback there that can replace Gutho. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about that. So I agree with you. I think the window has slammed shut uh, to the point that, yeah, I don't think they're making the top four again, definitely.
0: Yeah, well, also you think about the, uh, the two big boys up front that do a massive job for them. They play big minutes in Paolo and uh, Campbell Gillard. Mm. If one of those or both of those go down, imagine they get injured around origin time, their front row depth is is very very minimal so mm. yeah, I, I think oh, I don't know I, I just think they may struggle a little bit this year still got a good side when everyone's fully fit, but yeah, with that lack of depth, I think they yeah they might fall down a little bit.
1: All right, let's talk about predictions for the eels so we've we've sort of touched on it there. We don't think they're gonna make the top four.
0: Uh, But what bracket do you have them falling into? Are they still making finals in your books? So, I've got them fifth to eighth, but I do have them right at the bottom of that eight. So, I've actually got them in eighth spot on my ladder. So, yeah, how about yourself?
1: Exactly the same.
0: And for exactly
1: the same reasons we've been talking about is that they are just... That depth, uh, that even the top end talent, like you've spoken about before, you know, if you were the Eels, you'd be gunning for Joy Manu, and you'd get him to play fullback because that's the circuit breaker you kept talking about it last year. Yeah, totally agree with you. Who's their circuit breaker? Yeah. It's Moses or Brown. They're, they're both excellent players, but. Yeah, they're just lacking that punch to really drive them to that next level. And in fact, they've lost a couple of guys that sort of had that impact, like Isaiah Papali'i. Eighth for me as well, fifth to eighth. And honestly, I could see them dropping out of the finals. And I'm trying to think about the last time that a team played a grand final and then dropped out of the eight. Uh, On the exception of like the Storm with the whole salary cap thing, or the Bulldogs for that matter. I can't think of a... I can't think of an example of it happening. And it's a realistic possibility this year. If you think about the Broncos are on the improve and might jump in teams like the Bulldogs might jump in potentially Uh, the the Seagulls. If they continue their preseason form, get Tommy Turbo back fit,
0: they might jump into the eight. Some like something's got to give it might be the Eels. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, that's if we're going to get to bold predictions, I'll, I'll go off mine now. And even though I said, I've got them in eighth position, my bold prediction is they'll, they'll actually miss the eight. So I'm sort of going against myself there. I know that might not make sense, but yeah, I think that would be my bold in terms of the eels this year. I, I think that's. I think it's that is bold. Yeah. <laughs> it's, de- it's definitely bold. Yeah.
1: I can see it. I can see it well. Where that happens, my bold prediction is a bit more positive. I'm going to go. I think you know you know how Queensland they they love a bolter. They love a bolter. Yep. Like you know someone that comes out of nowhere. Kicks the door down. Round one builds into Origin week. I can see Jermaine Hopgood being that guy. Yep, uh, for Queensland. So lock him in. I reckon he's gonna. I reckon he'll play Origin this year. As in, will be in the, the seventeen at some point uh, and play a game. Uh, he he looks like a live one. Uh, a bit of a like a like a Ruben Cotter work ethic with a bit more size and a. Probably a bit more ball playing in the middle. Yeah, that's a that's a lethal combination. And I've I've been hoping that Queensland would get a true thirteen, like a ball playing one, because they've got you know guys like Carrigan and Cotter and Faso Mali Aoi that have been playing that role. But those guys are more true battering ram middles, like you know, like yeah, proper like front rowers, much more up and down. Yeah. Yeah, I can see Hopgood being an extra-dimension kind of player like Yo, like Cameron Murray. So, uh, yeah, no, watch this space. I'm very excited about Jermaine Hopgood. friendy it's, uh, it's the first time we've done a preseason preview with just the two people, but it's been a lot of fun. Thanks very much for joining me. No dramas, mate. Enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks. And thank you to the listeners as well for tuning in. Please make sure you comment on Facebook or like or rate on whatever app you're listening to and be sure to subscribe so you can go above the horizontal next episode, which is about the Premier's, the Penrith Panthers. But until then... Above the Horizontal is a rugby league podcast by the fans and for the fans. It's produced by our entire team of former writers for real sport, including Daniel Friend, Christopher Waring, Miles Steppen, Kieran Gibson, and me, Bo Nicholson. We'd love it if you could support us by telling a rugby league fan about us so they can go above the horizontal as well. Thanks for listening. See you next time. You know what's tricky sometimes? Picking who is going to win at the Oscars. You have to get yourself to a cinema to see all the movies, or at least have all the possible streaming services to make sure you don't miss a single one. You have to pay attention to all the precursor award shows to see who's winning so far. The Golden Globes, the BAFTAs, they're the pretty obvious ones, but don't forget the Critics' Choice Awards, or the SAGs, or the DGAs, or the PGAs, or the Eddie's, or the Gotham's, or the AFI Top 10, or the National Board of Review. Ugh, exhausting. Right, Or you can just join me for Academy Watch on the We Made This Podcast Network. I'm the host, Bo Nicholson, and I've been reading the trends, keeping stats, and seeing as many movies as humanly possible, and I can tell you who the big players will be on the big night. Me and a different guest each week will also be dissecting one of the key movies each season, including giving out personal awards and diving into them thematically. Will everything everywhere all at once remain the front runner and win Best Picture, or will a film seize the momentum late in the season to storm home like Coda did last year? Time will tell, but what I do know is that as it happens, you'll hear it on Academy Watch, wherever you get your podcasts.